0: I decided to print my notes today. I'm still trying to figure out what works for me. Um, And I had to put the font a little bigger. Is there anyone there with me? (laughs) For my own heart's sake, I only went to font 16 so I could read it. Um, But I probably could have gone up higher. But I wasn't ready to reconcile with needing like font 27 to feel like I could read confidently. 16 was my edge. So I have my notes here. Um, But I am really excited um, for the word that the Lord has given me and a little apprehensive. If I could be really honest with you, Um, but it was interesting. Mike and I, we she she sets her her Jay whoever's leading worship. They set their worship their worship list through through the week, and like we just get it. And half the times, I don't even know what the worship songs are. You can show me a name. I couldn't tell you how the song goes. Um, But it wasn't until we were singing that I just was like, Lord, like you're you're so good in how you begin. You want to prepare our hearts. For us to receive from you today. And then this morning I was having a conversation with someone and I just thought, in in the way the conversation was going, I just thought, Lord, like you were confirming to me because I started like backpedaling a little bit, like in my own mind as I was preparing. Um, And so I just thought the Lord is so good um, when we are willing to just step out and walk in obedience and navigate through some of these things. So we have been in Matthew chapter five, uh, Pastor Jay, we are studying the Beatitudes. And um, I think this is our third week, maybe the week that he kicked off the series, I was homesick. So I I watched online, but I was like not feeling well. And like, I have a really cute dog who distracts me. And you know, I just, it was, it was great. We got through it. And I, when, when I watch online, I watch from uh, the lens of everything that needs to be happening correctly. Like, Gosh, the, the video's really grainy or what's with the sound? Or why are, like that's when I'm watching our church service here. I'm I'm almost in work mode. So I I like heard what he was saying and didn't, honestly. Um and so last week I was sitting there and he he began to read and all of a sudden the Lord just like hit me with this first phrase. So I'm just going to read Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start with verses 1 through 3. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus, he went up the mountain and he, Jesus, was seated with his disciples uh, and seated with his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, so he's talking to the disciples, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to stop there because I have plenty of scripture, but we've been in there. And that was the place that just hit me last week. When it said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I told Jay, I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to teach this week. And he's like, about what? And I was like, About being poor in spirit. And he's like, Susie, I taught about that already. Again, I was distracted. Um, but I, that's where I started kind of doubting myself. But as I have, as I've been meditating and pondering what the Lord wants to say and, and invite you on this journey, um, I believe that he has something to speak to each of us. And it's, and it's going to be different because that's how the Holy Spirit works. I can be teaching and you can be hearing. I don't know what you are hearing. You're hearing my voice, but my hope is that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you. So I'm going to be praying. Or Let me pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness and your presence that's here we open our our ears to hear you speak. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me. Um, Lord, I pray that um, what we need to get from today to launch us forward to tomorrow, Lord, that those things would be received with gladness, with joy. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So growing up, um, growing up, I actually grew up Poor um, by many people's standards. Um, we there's a lot of our our life story. My mom was a single mom. She worked multiple jobs, but we but okay. So we were by standards poor. However, we had a home. I had clothes. We had a car. Um, we had food. Um, so maybe I didn't have the things that I like, my, that my friends had. I had a friend, my best friend, her parents were, um, they owned their own business. Like it was like the one, like really rich person that I knew because her parents owned this, her own, their own furniture business. And they lived in this beautiful house in this beautiful neighborhood. And, um and they would all like, she was my best friend. So I spent time with her all of the time. And like, that's when I got to go out to eat was when I went over to her, spent the night at her house. Um, and it was a very polarizing life that we both lived. But by standards, we we were we were poor. Um, and by other standards, we probably weren't poor because we had, right, these luxuries. We had a house um, that we owned. We had all of these other things. So when we think about it, you know, I've seen poverty in firsthand on various levels in various countries in various places. Um, I grew up in Southern California, and um, there's a and now it's much bigger than just Skid Row. But in downtown LA, there's Skid Row, and that's where a lot of the homeless people lived. And so again, different levels of poverty could be seen, um, and there was always different levels of poverty. Every time I went to my friend's house, wherever it was, you could see. I mean, as a kid, I kind of always. I was, I was fine. I, I never was with, you know, never felt guilty or bad about it. But I, it just always intrigued me how I could see different levels of poverty. So um, we know that there are people who live in tents. There's people who have tarps. There's people who um, live in motels. Um, I've seen people build their homes with a, a shopping cart and a tarp, a, a tarp, right? So you guys get the point. Um, and so when I was, when I was sitting here, last week. And that's, that verse came up, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. I, it struck me because I, I began to think about what does it really mean to be poor in spirit? So I have, a, I have an experience of what it means to, to not have, but you're blessing people who are poor in spirit. And as I want to present to you today for you to contemplate, to work through, to consider, um, as I kind of came up with it. I feel like this was kind of threefold. Now, as I was studying and like doing my studying of the word and, and stuff, it was it was saying how the poor was that, just that who lacked things. Poor people, poor poor people is what it was. But I feel like there's actually three, it's threefold. The actual poor the poor in spirit who have yet to encounter Jesus, and then those who posture themselves to be poor in spirit and hold on to nothing. So there's three types of of poor in spirit I would like us to consider today and as we read scripture and and really begin to think about this in Luke chapter four, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's also in Isaiah, but this is Jesus. He's in the temple and he begins, he opens the scripture and he opens up to Luke. Well, he opens up to Isaiah. We're reading it here in Luke. Uh, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and his custom was he went into synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up and read. So we read here that Jesus is opening up and he's addressing specifically the place where we are to go and preach the gospel to the poor. Now, in context and where it was, um, the sick, the bound, the broken, the poor were disenfranchised. In those communities. They weren't necessarily found in the temple here. And when we see when Jesus is actually proclaiming the good news, he's on a journey. He's he's going from city to city. He's going from town to town. He's going from place to place. And what is he doing? He's proclaiming the good news to people. He's healing the sick. He's doing all these things. But all of the time, he's coming and he's preaching the word of God. Jesus came for the disenfranchised. Sundays is really is is really about being equipped, about coming together. But Monday through Friday, Monday through or Monday through Saturday, that's when we're to be preaching the good news. See, when we come here on a Sunday, Sundays are about us coming in his presence together, that there's an anointing and that those who don't know, those who are seeking would come in and experience the presence of God together. And then we go and we leave. And the call is to go out and to preach the gospel to the good news or preach the gospel to the poor, to go share with those people. There is a literal people that Jesus was talking about in this moment. Jesus was talking about the people as he moved from town to town who needed to hear the good news. Sorry, I'm a little thrown off because I can hear my voice somewhere on something and I'm trying to like not hear it. Um, I don't know where it is, uh, but but I'm going to tell you, I don't like hearing myself uh, like when I repeat, um, so it's throwing me off just a a little bit. Um, Anyways, so Jesus is literally saying in this as he's reading the scripture, we're to go out to the poor. We're to go out to them. You know, um, so as I mentioned, I grew up in California, and I had taken, at the time, our youth, so this was many years ago, back to California. We went to this place called the Dream Center. Dream is at the heart of Los Angeles. They are reaching, um, they're, they have, uh, hundreds, quite literally hundreds of ministries um, from uh, helping people through rehab, through drug addiction, um, emergency housing, feeding the homeless. And so they have short-term mission trips you can do. So when Jay and I were pastoring, we took our youth group. We took some youth with us there. And I remember this one particular day the what we were going to do was there was a soup kitchen that was in a truck. So this guy would come and go drive up to Skid Row and he would open the back of his truck and he would feed people soup. And so what they wanted us to do was to go out on the streets and tell people that there was food that was available to them just down the road. So I'm just going up. So we're walking the st- the streets. And 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 what's interesting if you've never been there is it all kind of like coexists together. Like, so you have your places and probably now I haven't been in a while, um, but I was on the phone with one of my friends who was driving to his job and he had to drive through like the area where there's a lot of homelessness happening. So, but at the time there's people kind of out and about walking their everyday lives. And so you, I just start telling people like, hi, just want to let you know. And, and I'm going to be honest, I'm looking at, what someone looks like. So I'm like, I just want to let you know there's right down on Wilshot, whatever street it was, you know, like Fairfax, they're giving soup down there. Um, and it's, it's for anybody. And that was the truth. It was really for anybody. And all of a sudden I tell this person, hi, hi, excuse me, just want to let you know that there's a soup kitchen or, you know, someone's giving some soup out of his truck over there. And this person looks at me very angrily and says, do you think I'm homeless? And... I just looked and said, well, the soup is for anybody, and I was mortified. I didn't know what to do. All I was told to do was to tell them that there was soup there, and that's what I was doing. Anyways, so uh, there is no lack of opportunity for us to do good with people who are in need and and who are, are poor. Um and so we, what we need to remember, though, and sometimes I think when we think about taking, when I think about taking the good news and sharing the gospel with the poor, it's so easy to just leave it to an experience, to a mission trip, to what's over there. We can go on our life and not have to, to deal with it at all. We can walk past people and not even be compelled to share the good news of the gospel. But we read here in scripture that blessed Blessed, or um, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So as we're talking about one sector of the threefold of what I was talking about, I wonder what stops you and I from reaching out to the poor who need to hear the gospel today in our city? What, re- what stops us from bringing the good news that Jesus came and proclaimed and, and, and because he came to proclaim it and because we're Christ followers, that means we can come and proclaim it. What stops us from preaching because we've all been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor? See, the poor mattered to Jesus. That's why I think in part when he was on journey, when he was, his three years of ministry just wasn't in one spot, wasn't just with one people, even though he did come for, in that context, for the Jews, Jesus was out and about with the people preaching the good news, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, salvation is here, healing is here. So what stops us from engaging with the people that look different than us, that are maybe poor? that maybe their circumstances aren't quite what we understand. Sometimes I think, and, and sometimes I, I, will, I, I believe this to be true, sometimes I avoid conversation because I don't want to tell people or have to give an answer for where Jesus is and why their circumstances are the way they are. Sometimes, and I know that I've been in conversations before, and people ask me, well, why would, why would God let this happen to me? Or I've been, we do a Christmas tree giveaway and I've been in spots where we're like, hey, like free Christmas tree. And they're like, I, I can't have this tree. I don't have any gifts to put, to put under like for my family. And sometimes I sit, it's uncomfortable to meet people where they are. And yet we know that it says in scripture, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus makes sure that part of his ministry and his proclamation is that his, his good news is for everybody. It's for the poor. It's for the sick. It's for the brokenhearted. It's for those who are bound as much as it's for those who were in the synagogues he was teaching. See, we don't get to just walk away from the mandate that there is a call that we have to reconcile, that he has called us to be preachers and ministers of the gospel, of the good news, and who needs the good news? It's those people who are sitting in bad news. It's those people who are sitting in the circumstances that they can't quite get themselves out of, and the call isn't for me to have all of the answers. The call is for me to preach the gospel of the good news. The call is for me to proclaim who he is and what he's done and that he's come for the poor and for the brokenhearted. So I believe as we are reading, as I was reading this, that there's that, like I said, the first fold is the person who's actually poor. That, that there's something about the way where Jesus wants to meet someone in their lowest point. That is beautiful. That he wants to meet them in their lowest point, and because just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that he's not going to meet them there. You know, we read in Acts, and um, in Acts it talks about there's a, por- a portion of scripture where they're all coming together, and it says that they all they were selling their houses, that they were giving their alms, and there was just like one place, and that there was no lack or need within their community. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if I stood up here and I said, all right, Chapel Valley, so this is what we're going to do. We're all going to sell our house. And then we're going to bring one pot of money here. And then those people who are part of our community, we're going to actually just give from that pot. And then we're going to make sure that there's no lack in anyone. And guess what? We're going to actually help people raise their children. And so we're going to live in this community of place that is inconvenienced by one another. You guys would be like, that church is crazy. All they do is they want my money. Um, Who do they think they are? Right? Like, so we could read scripture sometimes and think, oh, that's, that's for then. Like that, that was contextually there. No, if it's in scripture, there's a reason why it's in scripture. Now I'm not asking anyone to do that. I should maybe just clarify. That's not what I'm asking of anyone. Um, But I do believe that there is a reconciling of we have to live in surrender because it says blessed are the poor in spirit. Let's consider what the poor in spirit actually then means. Can you be poor in spirit without being poor in spirit and inheriting the kingdom of God? Yes. Let me explain because that sounded a little crazy even when I wrote it. Can you be poor in spirit and not be poor in spirit inheriting the kingdom of God? There are hundreds of thousands of people around us who are absolutely poor in spirit. They have Beautiful cars. They have beautiful lives. They're good. They would consider themselves probably good people. They do the right thing. They might give like a, you know, tax donation here. They might go like volunteer and give blood here. And they'd say like I'm I'm a good person. And they might have like a beautiful home and um, be the most educated, and yet still be poor in spirit because they don't know Jesus. So you can be poor in spirit. And the world around us and culture, because we—I ha- always have—we have to think: How is culture impacting my relationship with Jesus? How is culture impacting the way I interface with my church community? How is culture impacting the way I interface with community around me? See, he starts off with this with this Sermon on the Mount, and the first thing he addresses is about being poor in spirit. But we can be poor in spirit. Being, we can be poor in spirit without actually being poor in spirit. Little S, big S. That's how I wrote it in here. Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to turn there. And this might be a familiar scripture to you. Matthew chapter 19. We're going to start off in verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may enter, may have eternal life? So he said to them, Why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones, Jesus? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. uh, Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. Right? This is great news. I checked all the boxes. All these things I have kept. From my youth. So even though he's young, since his youth, he's kept these things. What do I still lack? Jesus says, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure where? In heaven. And come follow me. But when the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was a young man who had everything and was still poor in spirit. Jesus actually tells him, you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. See, he couldn't do it because of what had hold of him. The systems of the world, he wasn't willing to surrender, of an, surrender to an invitation to literally following Jesus. See, the poor in spirit are not owned by anything, but they posture and surrender to God, knowing following him, they're never abandoned or without. I'm not suggesting again that you sell everything. Again, people are probably like, what is she saying? I'm not suggesting that we sell everything to become poor in spirit, but I am asking you to reflect on what things have a hold of you. What things aren't you willing to let go of because what Jesus, it, what, because it seems unreasonable what Jesus is asking you to let go of? What are your great possessions? What are the things that hold you? Now, it's always easy. Er, I don't know if easy is the right word to be like, okay, the, the great young, the rich young ruler, he had, he had all of these things and that wasn't what he was willing to let go of. And that, that can absolutely be true today. But there was something that the Lord has been, oh, like, have you guys ever heard God speak to you and it makes you uncomfortable and you can't just quite get away from it? Never? Okay. Maybe. Um, this, this one makes me uncomfortable. Because as I was sitting there and as I've been meditating through the week and, and prior to that, I began thinking about what are the possessions that I hold that are my emotional possessions that I'm unwilling to surrender like the rich young ruler. Let me break it down to you. How many of us hold emotional baggage of being right or justified and not forgiving someone we're putting up boundaries because the world tells us that we need it. And this is what's messing with you guys messing with you, you guys, like messing with me. Right now there's a lot of talk. If you're listening, there's a lot of talk about um, Like you can forgive someone without not letting them back into your life. Or, um, you know, what are your personal boundaries? Or um, all of these things that call us to ourselves. If you've been hurt, you know, um, why is it up to you to have to forgive them? And like all of this stuff, if you, depending on what you listen to, where you are, how, how you scroll, whatever it might be, there's a lot of justified self that the world calls us to. And I just wonder if being poor in spirit actually means relinquishing those rights and justifications of holding on to unforgiveness and not being in reconciled re- relationship with people. I'll tell you, I, I my mom, my mom is a wonderful woman. My mom set by example many times of giving, and this, I, I should, I, well, whatever. Um, I saw her many times give the last of what we had, whether people agree with that or not. Um, we had a change jar, like sometimes, and I'm not, the, the Lord has always been faithful and good to us, but we had a change jar that if we didn't have money and we needed milk or like bread, we would get it from there. But I would steal money for there for the ice cream man. So I, but so that my mom wouldn't know, I would take 25 pennies instead of a quarter sometimes, or I would do like two dimes and a nickel to get my ice cream from the ice cream man. I love the ice cream man. Um, so I like always figured out how to, and she would hide it for me. I'd find it and then I'd hide it and then like do it again or go to 7-Eleven and buy whatever. Okay. Um so I have no I really have no qualms with not having money. I don't really have qualms with giving money away. Um it, Jay probably would like me to have a little bit more issues with with, with holding on to our money. Um, he probably would prefer that. Um, but I just, money, money for me, I just, I'm like, I've always seen God been faithful to our life. And like, if we don't have it, he's gonna provide it at the right time, even if it's right in the moment. So if that means I go, so so money for me, really, honestly, is just, just money. I'll tell you what I do hold on to, <laughs> Is how people have treated me and my family. I can tell you what I do hold on to is what forgiveness actually looks like. I'll tell you what I do hold on to is how how much am I going to risk trusting someone again because they've hurt me. So when I think about being poor in spirit, there's the physical being poor, then Jesus addresses that, and says, like, theirs is their inheritance. Like, those people, like, they're, they're in my kingdom. There's something precious about people who are poor to the Lord that is evident in how he preaches. Then I read the scripture of the rich young ruler, and he says, like, oh, I can't. Like, oh, it's too great. And then I thought, well, if money isn't too great to me, where do I find that I'm poor in spirit, but not poor in spirit? to a place of inheritance. And I just want to put out there for you that there are people who, right, who don't know the Lord that are poor in spirit. But we could be poor in spirit and holding on to emotional baggage that doesn't allow us to inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. Because we're whole beings. He doesn't just address one place. He wants to address the whole totality of who we are. I believe the posture of being poor in spirit to inherit, and and it's not just in, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven, not just in heaven, because Jay did teach about this. It's not just when I get to heaven. Heaven is here on earth as well. But I believe that the being poor in spirit is going to cost us all something. All of us. And I don't know what that is. For some, he might be asking you to sell everything. I don't know, and just come follow him. Go into the mission field and sell everything and go. Maybe. For some of us, it might be how we are reconciled back into reconciliation and really considering scripture and not allowing culture to define what forgiveness, wholeness, and freedom looks like. Because when I look at the things and I contemplate what I believe It contradicts what scripture says. You know what's interesting? At the end of the beatitude, so of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, so Jesus goes and he gives this whole thing. And at the end of this portion of scripture, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 43 through 48. This is what Jesus has to say. You have heard it said before, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. So he's talking to them. He's saying, this is what you've heard before. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those, oh, this one is always hard for me. Pray for those who spitefully use you, not aren't spiteful towards you, spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and, and and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, then you have your reward. Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, do you if oh, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father is in heaven perfect. So when we look at scripture, we have to look at the whole context. And when I look that he starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. And then ends with, hey, and you gotta love those who are your enemies. You gotta pray for those who spitefully use you. You have to bless those who have cursed you. I can't seem to like, think that that's just coincidence, that maybe being poor in spirit has less to do with the financial, the, the implications of what poverty looks like and more about posturing ourselves in a lowly place that postures because people who are, are poor, just think about this, when you look at their homes, where they're on the ground they're low, right? Everything about them is their, when you see their demeanor, everything about them there is not generally there's not a haughtiness or pridefulness to them. there's a lowliness to them and so I just have to think if he's starting with blessed are the poor in spirit and is ending the scripture and ending this portion with saying and hey look love and pray for those who use you that there's some correlation love your enemies the the poor in spirit the poor part in us begins to say but I don't know if I can forgive them and he says love them anyways bless those who curse you the world would say you need to hear your people need to hear your side of the story. Oh, you're completely right. How could they do that to you? Of course, you should be angry, right? That's what the world would say. But the Lord is saying, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Why would I want to do good? They have what they need. They don't. They don't need anything else. They don't even like me. Why do I need to do that? See how we begin to justify and, 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 and justify our way of thinking. And he's saying, no, blessed are the poor in spirit. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I'm going to say that that's where I've had to learn how do I pray for mercy over them, them getting what I think they deserve. Because at the end of the day, we all are recipients of mercy and goodness of God. So when he says, pray for those who spitefully use you, like I, like I said, I don't mind. I have no problem giving. Don't lie to me about it. Just tell me that you need it. See, all of this is going to cost us something. And sometimes it's going to feel unreasonable. But I believe that being poor in spirit means letting go of all All that has positioned us to give us the upper hand or to be justified. I believe, right, the world would say, the world's point of view would say, you know, there's exceptions on forgiveness. Oh, just live your truth. Boundaries and what the world says, um, I'm justified in doing. It's the opposite spirit of God. It's opposite because there's only one truth, which is the word of God. And I think sometimes some of this has affected us because we no longer fear God. Not like he's going to like smite us. No, there's a reverence and fear towards the presence of God that we've somehow lost. And it shows up in our attitude towards other people. When we can walk by either the physical, the, the people who are in need without any question, or I know there's some people who will walk past people and like roll their eyes and they'll, be, you know, or like whatever it is, it's opposite. And I believe that the Lord is calling us as we're going into this for us to figure out how do we posture ourselves to be poor in spirit, which means I surrender and leave everything here. I, I owe No one owes me anything and nothing that I have is is my own. The reality is literally nothing that we have is our own. My children are not my children. I mean, they are my children, but they were given to me to be steward, but they belong to to the father. My finances, my resources, they're his. They're for me to steward. And, and walk in obedience to the food in my house is his. You, who do you want me to invite over? My car, see, we, we, what we happens is, though so we have probably somewhere, and maybe maybe this is not you. And so I apologize if this does not bear any resonance with you. So like I said, so why I pray because I want the, the Lord to speak to you, not myself. But I can see how culture has infiltrated what I do and who I am versus where it says, like, don't be transformed by this world, but be, but be don't be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. Because he's saying, hey, there's an opportunity where the world is going to try to change who you are for their glory. And you're here to be on this earth for my glory. Being important spirit, like I said, is taking the lowly pace and a lowly posture because we can trust and choose to trust the one who is faithful. He loves us and he won't just leave us forgotten his heart so the heart the heart of the father the good news the gospel all of that is this that he he his heart is towards us there is healing there is wholeness he wants us to be set free we don't have to walk in bondage we don't have to live um, conform to this world but he wants us experiencing heaven here on earth that's the good news that's the gospel that's what we're being invited into and i believe as we learn how to posture ourselves and consider lord what is keeping me bound what places am i not willing to surrender to you that freedom can be found in Christ. Freedom to be walking freely as who he's called and created us each to be. Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to pull up my phone because I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. Now I don't, Jay and I were talking about this this morning. I was like, which version, I always kind of go before, but I, I, the Passion Translation is a newer translation. Um, I I would not use that necessarily as a study translation, um, but I liked the way, and considering some of the audience, I said, I liked the way that this version Set it. Um, when I study, when I read, I read multiple versions. I love the Bible app. You can switch versions very easily. So sometimes I'll even be reading the Bible and I'll be like, what does that mean? And then I have to switch to another version and then until I get it. So I love the Bible app um, because if it were me, I would probably have five Bibles carrying them around with me every week and it just would not be good. So the Bible app is my favorite. But here's, here's a little bit about what I think Paul then later says that helps us see what it means to walk contrary to the world system. And, I, and the reason I say that is because in order for us, I think, to walk poor in spirit, we have to consider how has the world system affected how I choose to walk with the Lord. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 in the Passion Translation says this, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of yourself. For yourself craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two are incompatible and conflicting forces within you. Uh, within you are self-life of the flesh and the new life of the spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The craving of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing the things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, uh, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all the similar behaviors. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? So when I'm thinking about the posture of being poor in spirit, and what I loved about this in, in all of what it was talking about it, you know, resentment when others are favored, thinking only of yourself, looking only for yourself, that when when someone is actually really poor, when you have a poor mindset, everything is for you. You fear, you fear anything that's good. So if you get a little bit, you may not share with other people. Um, I, my mom also worked, we worked at a home, my mom worked at a homeless shelter and I spent a summer there with her. Uh, and you would see the the women who were, fearful, and the women who just, it was what it was. I was probably 12. I, I have a really, in- I, my mom let me walk a skid row by myself with money with a woman um, who was homeless to go get yarn. I always think I would never let my 12-year-old daughter do that, but my mom was like, okay, um, her name was Miranda. I remember um, this very distinct experience. Anyways, but right, like, When you're poor, when you don't have, you hoard, you keep, you look out for yourself, no one else. And that's what I love about what Galatians in, in in the Passion Translation points out was all of those places where our self calls ourselves to ourselves, right? We're, we, we have to fend for ourselves. We have to protect ourselves. We have to do these things, and he's saying, "No, your flesh and your spirit are at war with each other. The two are incompatible. You are—you have new life to walk in the spirit. Now, this is what it means to walk in the spirit." Ha, uh, verse twenty-two. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues. Patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength in spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are all meant to be limitless. See, heaven on earth is limitless in what we can experience when we posture ourselves. And when we posture ourselves and take a lowly place, the Lord begins to say, oh, As you trust me, you'll experience my joy, you'll experience my peace, you'll experience my wholeness, all of those things. Verse 24, keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah, amen. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow him. So may we never be arrogant or look down on one another for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Is that not what being poor in spirit and us who get to inherit the kingdom of heaven look like? Walking in the spirit is walking contrary to the world system. Walking in the spirit leads us to the one who is faithful and desires for us to experience the fullness of his life here on earth. I don't have the answers for you. I don't, I don't know you. I, I like, and even those I know, you know what the Lord is calling and, and, and stirring in you. And so my invitation to you, maybe some of you are like the rich young ruler and you're just trying to work more, harder, 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 build up, get your 401k up, get your retirement going, like maybe, maybe that is you. Maybe some of us in here are navigating what forgiveness or our rights look like for those who have hurt us and wronged us. And we and that's keeping us, because I, I was listening to Scripture, and Jay and I, we kind of chuckled, I had it on, and it was talking about forgiveness, and and Jesus is very direct. Scripture is very direct about forgiveness, uncomfortably direct. I'm not sure what your posture of to get yourself into being poor of spirit might look like in this life. But the good news is not only do we inherit the kingdom of God, but we get to experience that here on earth. My heart is that as you've heard the Holy Spirit today, I believe there is something that he may have showed you, revealed to you, that he wants to give your attention to. Would you not miss that moment? Because this isn't about like, oh, Susie, hey, great word, or like, oh, I didn't like it. Like, that's between me and the Lord, honestly. What's between you and the Lord is what is he pricking in you? Because he, he's so gentle. He doesn't embarrass us. He doesn't mortify us. He doesn't call us out. His heart isn't that we are exposed, but his heart is that things are exposed. So I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to have Micah come up, and she's going to play a song. And um, as she plays, I just want this time to be a moment for you to uh, reflect with with the Holy Spirit. Reflect on what it what feel, felt uncomfortable, what you maybe didn't like. Sometimes when I think I don't like something, I have to ask myself, why don't I like it? Why why did that like make me like roll my eyes or whatever, whatever? Right? It's it ch- different for all of us. And then my, my heart is that you, would take, that you would have the courage to take the next step, to not just hear it. I was reminded as I was studying that um, someone had given me a word and it had been a week and I hadn't, and, and, the, and it was an invitation to look up something. They said, I feel like the Lord wants to reveal some things through this. Um, this is what I'm sensing, like go, go study and see what he wants to show you. I was like, yeah, great, like I was taking notes. And as I was reading, I realized, oh man, I didn't even, like, I haven't even followed up with that. And so, what a shame. So many times we want the Lord to speak to us, and he speaks, and then we don't do anything. We just let it be, and like, oh, good word. Boy, I took good notes. And then we close it up, and we leave it for next week. Our heart is that you, as you hear the Lord, that you would respond to him, and that you would leave here equipped for the things that he has prepared for you this week, for the people he has prepared for you this week. For the friends at school he has for you this week, for the coworkers he has for you this week, that we would be so consumed by our own selves that we're unable to see what the Lord is wanting to do elsewhere. But we can say, Okay, Lord, I surrender this to you. Would you show me how to work towards reconciliation? Would you show me how to like, you know, begin what whatever, whatever it is. And then as you do that, and, and as Micah even was saying, as we surrender. And then we are able to look back up and say, okay, Lord, you're going to show me. And now our eyes are back on him. And now that our eyes are back on him, my eyes are up and I'm seeing that person there. I'm seeing that person there. I'm hearing this and I'm not walking in the condemnation that I'm not doing something. No, I've already responded to the Lord. So I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to sing a song and um, and then I'll, I will come and, and pray. So I'll pray for you here and then I'll pray for you before we leave. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that your call to us. And and I even think about when when John was ministering and he comes to you and, and he says, like, I must decrease so you would increase. God, that is just my heart for all of us here is that you would show us what places have been inflated by self. That's it. That you would show us the places that have been inflated by self and how you want to deflate that and how you want us to be inflated with who you are, with a heavenly perspective, with an experience of heaven here on earth. God, I pray that right now as we just worship and we posture ourselves in worship and surrender, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would show us or if you've shown us, Lord, that we would have the courage to respond to who you are and to what you're saying. Lord, we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name.